Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Periodic Table, episode 33. Obama got us Obama phones. Recorded September 27th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. Element OP.com. Episode 33 of the Periodic Table is what you are now listening to. So that wasn't ugly. even a joke. That was just the intro. <laughs> oh, and, Lord, just the way you read things, it just tickles me. <laughs> Go ahead, and, read the phone book. <laughs> Amy Adamson, 459. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, You're nine, so the, cute. The, 30, the 33rd element on the periodic table is arsenic. Arsenic is a steel gray, brittle, semi-metallic solid. That happens to go really well with old lace. Oh, bad joke. I know. Um, interesting when it, uh, it, it tarnishes with air, but when it's heated, it sublimates, meaning it goes straight from the solid to the gaseous form without ever going to a liquid. So there's no such thing as liquid arsenic. So there you go. Good, That's good name for a punk band, though. Liquid arsenic? That would be a good name. So that would be the 33rd element. On the periodic table. And that's the end of our science content for the week. I promise you. Well, I can't promise you that. You never know what will pop up on this show. But uh, that's all that's planned. So with me this week, as usual, I'm doing my... Shatner. William yeah. Shatner <laughs> impression. <laughs> Are the do that, I'll try to do a Christopher Walken, maybe... <laughs> tonight if i can yeah, you know what this podcast needs <laughs> we all know more cowbell i said i was gonna get a cowbell sound effect and i didn't i will, uh, I will have to make that happen later but anyway those voices that you are hearing are mr aaron butler and mr hey. sean kaibo hi gentlemen hello. hello great to be here good to have you back welcome to the show <laughs> the show must go on. Right. My, my wife is in the chat room, says um, that the, she's so so tired, this is funny. So that's that's why this show gets all the laughs. We do it late at night. It's not that it's actually funny. It's just that we do it late at night. Yeah, it's, 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 it's 100% um, um, uh, just a matter of you either need to be drunk, stupid, or tired to laugh at the show at this point. Right. <laughs> or all three, I guess, could really be great if you probably think it's hilarious. Then yeah, I call that getting the simples. You know, late at night when everything is funny, you've got the yeah. simples. Let's go. Never heard that one before. So big news tonight, if you're an NFL fan, going on right now, at this very moment, is an NFL game with actual officials in it. As opposed to imaginary ones? or Yes. Yeah. The ones who were on the Monday night game last week were imaginary officials. Uh horrible now i didn't actually see that game but uh it's it was all over the interwebs so i feel like i can speak about it with authority well you know yeah. I, I was okay with it until the one guy said penalty five now hang on one second hold on a second everybody is that five yards or ten yards for this one ten okay ten yards <laughs> it wasn't that bad <laughs> it would have been good if it had been that funny yeah, Mark, you you had to see. You can find the video out there. It's easy enough to find. But that last play was just horrible. I mean, uh, 
you know, it's like one of those Hail Mary last second of the game passes and the Green Bay guy and the Seattle guy go up and the Green Bay guy comes down and clearly has the ball and the Seattle guy's hands are like wrapped around him from behind and sort of touching the ball and they give the touchdown to the Seattle guy. Yeah. Wow. It, it was bad. I saw a play one time. Uh, it was a Dallas game back a long time ago. Um, and it was the, wor- the worst call I ever saw was uh, they said that there was a fumble uh, in the end zone. So a guy ran into the end zone and and fumbled the ball, and then they called it a touchback. So I'm thinking, all right, I'm a runner. I've crossed the goal line with possession of the ball and two feet in. How is that not a touchdown? How can you That's fumble? a touchdown, isn't it? Right. How can you fumble in the end zone? Because possession in the end zone is a touchdown. Um, and it just it made me nuts. Well, and depending favorite. how it happens, the the two feet don't even have to. I mean, if the right. ball crosses the plane, you know, right? Yeah, and it's not like he was a runner. He wasn't a pass. It wasn't a defender. He was a runner that somehow managed to quote, get a quote fumble inside the end zone. My favorite call ever. I think I'm pretty sure it was on the Cowboys. I think most penalties are uh, happened a couple of years ago, and it was offsides. Everybody but the center. <laughs> That's what the guy actually said. Offsides. Everybody but the center. Five yards. That's awesome. That's actually a good way to do it. And he did and that's exactly what happened. He he flinched or something and they were going off hard counter, whatever you call it, where the you know, they watched the center out of the corner of their eyes and he wiggled, but he didn't hike it. <laughs> and everybody jumped. Oh, that was funny. So anyway, welcome back, NFL officials. The uh all eyes are on you now because now it's up to you to prove that you're better than the replacement officials were. So everybody's watching. Your- you're worth your hundred and seventy eight thousand dollars a year. I think it's the the minimum salary up to two fifteen or something like that. Yeah. It's uh but I think if anything, they prove that not everybody can do this job. Or not everybody has the current skills to do this job. The guys that they had pulled called up, I'm sure in a couple of years would have been as good as the pros are the, the regular guys are now. But you have to work up to that. You have to watch the super fast game for a while to get it. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, it always blows my mind when we watch figure skating and you know Scott Hamilton's like, "Oh, look at that." Like, what? <laughs> yeah. She landed on the outside edge. Right. <laughs> you mean you can tell she landed which side of the skate she right. landed? <laughs> which side of the razor blade she was leaning to when she put her foot down at 40 miles an hour right. or from across the room? Yeah, ideally yes, you want you a 45 degree angle and she hit she was more like a 46 and a half, 47. And the the, the judges are going to count off a tenth for that. Yeah. Oh, that was an inside edge. It was totally an inside edge. Yeah. That was horrible. That's going to cost I, I don't even know the difference between a toe loop and a Lutz. They look exactly the same to me. The girl flips. What's the difference? <laughs> One of them you start going forward and the other you start going backwards. Ah, we'll see, there you go. But I know that because my wife's a big skating fan. <laughs> but I can't tell you which edge is on. <laughs> All right. And, and the, the type to the knee can't take care of. The next story... Uh, since we've talked about football, we got to talk about other guy stuff. And, and this is a subject near and dear to the hearts of everybody on this network. Uh, as such, many people sent it to me. And that is that um, yeah. a, uh, the European pork, uh, excuse me, Nat- uh, Britain's National Pig Association says that there is an impending global shortage of pigs. And therefore, there will be no more bacon in the near future. Say it ain't so! That's 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 a downer, Mark. I mean, I can't believe you. That's that's just horrible. 
Is that then early in the show that way you know right we get we get the we get the depressing stories in early and then we can laugh about it later but according to this be uh, pork prices are too low and so pork producers across the country across the globe are uh getting out of it closing up shop closing up pig pen and calling it quits and they're saying that there won't be enough bacon or uh, specifically (laughs) they specifically said bacon uh, because they know how much everybody loves it if uh, current trends continue. Now, is this worldwide? Yeah, it's a worldwide prediction, right? Yeah. That it's, basically, Europe's going to take us all down. Way to go, European. Well, the the European uh, British National Pig Association is uh, obviously clearer, uh, has better data in, in Europe. But they, say, they do say it's a, a worldwide trend. New, to, new data shows that the European Union pig herd is declining at a significant rate. And this trend is being mirrored all around the world. I actually saw something in our elevator today, Mark, about this. Um, you know, the little we have a little screen in our elevator that gives us the super important news, you know. Right. Who's winning in the polls for the presidential election, the Dow Jones industrial average, this current state of bacon. Right. Well, I mean, a national pig shortage is right up there. That's it that's is. actually more important than a presidential campaign. Right, because there's plenty of those pigs. <laughs> Show title. I like to think that uh, that coincides with our network expanding, you know, raising the awareness of the importance of bacon in the daily diet, that kind of stuff. That's right. So as we're uh, we're spreading awareness of the awesomeness that is bacon, we're actually causing a global shortage. That's what's happened. Yeah, it's like whenever you know uh, uh, a, a really popular television show plugs a small website and they bring the servers down. We've done that for the pig. We brought the pig servers down. We have brought down the pork servers worldwide. I want, I challenge a listener to get one of our t-shirts and put it on a pig and send a picture of that. (laughs) That would be awesome. Oh, you know what? I think that's what I might wear that for my Halloween costume, an element Opie t-shirt and a pig mask. There you go. (laughs) And then on the back, I could be like, I could put something like bacon on the hoof on the back. Okay. I might do that. So, uh, either you guys fans of uh, Seinfeld back in the day? Oh, definitely. I actually wrote a Seinfeld episode, you know. Yeah. You remember the the little story arc where Kramer got specialty license plates that belonged yes. to a proctologist? And he said, yes. uh, proctologists have the best stories at parties. And they all begin the same way. I tell you, Doc, it's a million to one shot. Well... We've got a million to one shot this week that comes for us from us uh, to us from New Zealand. An unnamed man, and you'll know why he's unnamed in a minute, uh, went to an emergency hospital uh, in Auckland, New Zealand, with an eel up his butt. No explanation of how it got there. Just get it out now, please. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that ain't supposed to be there, Doc. You can go ahead and get that taken out. <laughs> an eel. It only took us, uh, what, three articles to get the... (laughs) We've already gone to where the sun don't shine. Well, and we're going to follow it up with two penis stories. So we're just knocking them out right there at the beginning. (laughs) We've hit bacon, butts, and penises all in the first... (laughs) That's welcome to the periodic table. Bacon's butts and penises. (laughs) Show title. (laughs) I'll be able again. I don't know. It seems like every article always has the like if we talk about the best last par- best last paragraph. So it has this whole thing about 
the guy and the craziness of that. And then the last paragraph, the, 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 the guy suddenly goes <laughs> all Audubon on us. Eels migrate upstream as, <laughs> as offers to find suitable adult habitat. After many years, they migrate to the Pacific Ocean to breed and die. Eels are secretive, nocturnal, and prefer habitats with plenty of cover, like anuses. Yeah, they found plenty they hunt of by cover. smell rather than sight. <laughs> <laughs> so they needed a place that smelled bad with good cover. Oh, so yeah. One wonders how you coax an eel into your anus. Um, <laughs> no one does it, Mark. <laughs> Who has ever wondered that? <laughs> well, clearly Gothel. this gentleman in Auckland, New Zealand, he was just sitting around thinking, you know what I haven't done in a while? I haven't shoved a living animal into an orifice. Um. <laughs> It says it says that these eels are quote about the size of a good sized piece of asparagus. <laughs> so you'll I'll never look at asparagus the same way again. <laughs> and uh no no details, no name. Uh it says he was treated and released. Uh and he I wonder if the eel was released as well. That was a that was a plug and release <laughs> eel. <laughs> Yeah, there. Uh, anyway, okay. So, moving from New Zealand to Japan, the Japanese are all about um, unique creations. And as we've seen on this show, they have a, a penchant for the nether regions. Um, and, and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. This new one um, is, a, is a... The only way to describe it is a super tiny porta potty. It's a cod piece that you put over your junk, and then when you pee in it, a hose comes and sucks that into a bag. And here's my favorite part: a blow dryer comes out and dries the affected area, so that you can, you know, obviously it's designed for uh, elderly or infirmed people who are bedridden. Uh, and so I, you know, I, I get it, but it's a uh, uh, <laughs> sales salespeople demonstrated. How a U-shaped cup fits between the wearer's legs and contains a sensor that activates a suction mechanism when triggered. Waste is removed rapidly away from the body before a bidet spray cleans and then blow dries the area. I just have to think that's going to wake you up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, now I'm seeing this, and I'm sure it will be used in... Um, um, <laughs> By the way, I just saw the chat room. Georgia mom in the chat room says, I did love asparagus. <laughs> Past tense. Um, so anyway, I could see this. Certainly it's going to be used in hospitals and, you know, patients who uh, uh, are bedridden for whatever reason. But also it's going to be used by overzealous NFL fans who think, I don't have to get up during the two-minute warning now because this thing will take care of it for me. I can uh, just uh, overzealous rich right. NFL fans since it costs 7200 bucks. Yeah. Well, I'm just seeing some some sprains happening here. <laughs> some sprains. Yes, because you know, you 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 go in and you're like, "Well, doc, it fit before it started blowing." <laughs> it sprained my eel. Yeah, see I, I when when I saw the blow dry, there were so many cheap jokes that began with the word blow uh oh, yeah. that I just that I just I deemed them all beneath me. I mean, this actually does have a, an, an applicable, a med, you know, a medically applicable use for, for bedridden people who have, their carriers have to get up in the middle of the night to empty the bedpan, that kind of thing. 
Um, but I think my favorite part of the article is it, when it says Daiso Igawa, manager of Muscle Corp, <laughs> demonstrated the firm's Robo Helper, uh, Robo Helper automatic toilet. Yes. <laughs> Stay calm, citizen. I'll evacuate your feces momentarily. Wait, we haven't <laughs> seen Sean in a week. Long. Where is he? He has his new Robo Helper. <laughs> Yeah, and then, and then it says that Crazy there's a Tokyo-based company called Mamory. Uh, I'm thinking maybe that loses something in the translation. Uh, yeah. Which also markets gloves to aid self-breast examination. So maybe not. Maybe there isn't anything lost in the examination. Or so the while we're talking about Japanese penises, um, we, we have another invention uh, a medical device, no less, um, uh, created by our good friends, the, the creative individuals in Japan. Um, this one is a... Um, Wait, they, this one's Chinese, right? This is this Chinese? Chinese? Oh, it is yeah. Chinese. Darn. I, I, it was such a good transition. Okay, so Chinese. So staying in the, in the Pacific Rim, anyway. Um, Chinese hospitals are introducing a new uh, machine... Uh, that can help extract sperm from donors. According to China's Weibo social platform, the automatic sperm extractors are being introduced in a Nanjing hospital courtesy of Jingzhou, uh, excuse me, capital of Jingzhou province. The pink, gray, and white machine has a massage pipe at the front, which apparently can be adjusted according to the height of its user. Speed... <laughs> Frequency, amplitude, and temperature are controllable. And it has a small screen on the top which plays films for the user to help them with the extraction process. <laughs> oh, I just wow. saw a picture of this thing for the first time. Wow. I seriously had to look this up and make sure it wasn't an Onion article. I mean, this looks like something the Onion would write, but no, this is a real thing. Wow. Yeah, the, the video is quite... Um I didn't watch the video. I was there's scared a, yeah, to watch video. the video. <clears throat> I wonder if I can get insurance to pay for that. What's that? I said, I wonder if I can get insurance to pay for <laughs> now, You combine that bucks. with the portable toilet, and really there's no reason to ever leave the bedroom ever again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> what do you say to that? Um, so I think the best way to follow that up is, uh, with a, a drunk rider on a horse because, right. you know, naturally. So when you think drunkenness and horses, where does your mind immediately go? Oh, uh, Wyoming. Uh, no, not so much. How about South? Florida <laughs> in Bunnell, Florida or Bunnell? I don't know which it is, uh, about 60 miles South of Jacksonville. An intoxicated man was uh, led police on a half-hour chase uh, through the town on a horse. Police officers responding to the port of, quote, an intoxicated male riding a horse. Uh, and when he turned on his emergency lights to stop traffic as a uh, horse or the cop, <laughs> the, the, the cop, uh, Cowart, the, the, the rider's name, the intoxicated rider's name, crossed the street. Uh, according to the affidavit, Cowart said he was on his way to his grandmother's house in nearby Flagler Beach, naturally, uh, refused the officer's order to dismount and, quote, in an aggressive manner, reared the horse back and took off. 
because there's not really a passive way to rear a horse back, I suppose. No, I guess. Now, I'm not a horse guy. I, I, somebody's going to have to help me out there. Is there, is, I mean, can you, can you encourage that rearing up behavior? I mean, do you like kick them in yep. the sides and then pull back on the bit? Is that how that works? Pretty much. You can. Yes. So he basically, it was assault with a deadly animal is, is what that turns out to be. Uh, so he, he was afraid, the officer was afraid of spooking the horse. So he followed along slowly without using the siren or, or anything else. And just speaking to the man, just telling him, Hey, get off your horse. It's time to get off your horse. Um, eventually he jumped off the horse and ran, but he was drunk. And so that tends to make you easy to catch. He was captured a short time earlier and the horse was returned to the family and it's fine. So there you go, awesome. Florida. At least the horse wasn't drunk. I was reminded, if you've, it's an old, old reference of uh, the classic Western movie Cat Baloo, where the 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 drunkard had a drunken horse. When I was reading the story, that's what I was thinking of. But in this case, at least the horse was sober. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice false laugh. Thank you, and I appreciate you trying. I'm, I'm, I'm just. Uh, I'm just kind of having this mental image of the cop driving down the street, you know, with the guy on the horse, just kind of trotting along and him like, sorry, you mind pulling your, can you pull your horse to the curb, sir? So there's a good spot right here. You could pull, sir, you know, just continually trying to talk, trying to talk the guy off the ledge, so to speak. And I could see that right out of a Zach Galifianakis movie or something (laughs) Right. with Zach on the horse and somebody else trying to talk him down. And I mean, if you're going to run away from a cop, don't you think you want to stay on the horse? The horse is going to run faster than you. I mean, I don't think that getting off the horse is really the best way to make a getaway. That's that's probably true. I mean, I don't have a, a great deal of experience with this sort of thing, but it worked um, in true lies. I mean, the guy, well, no, he didn't get away on the horse. He was on the motorcycle. See, that was almost a good joke. <laughs> But it did bring oh, me. See, that one was fake. It oh. did bring me to a movie, which was the transition I was going for. Uh, speaking of bad movies, actually, True Eyes was a really good movie. Uh, this next story is something that might be a new Samuel L. Jackson movie called Crocs on a Plane. Um, shocked baggage handlers uh, came face to face with a crocodile roaming through the hold of an Australia airplane. The reptile being transferred from Brisbane to Melbourne but somehow escaped the container during the trip. And so baggage handlers came face to face when they were, you know, they're offloading their bags, doing their thing. And then, oh, by the way, there's a crocodile in there. That's the whole story. I just think it's interesting. I wonder if that picture is actually, that picture can't really be from this story. No, that's that's just some picture they threw in there. Right. But uh, one of the, the thing that think, strikes me about this is, aren't, aren't crocodiles cold-blooded? I mean, they're reptiles, right? And, and cargo holds of planes get really cold because they're not um, pressurized at all. So I'm surprised that this thing was, you know, moving at all. I expected it would just sort of be frozen rigid. No, it would be in a, um, if it was in a cargo hold, it'd be in a pressurized cargo hold. Just like with dogs they, or any other animal, they, they do have a pressurized cargo hold yeah i guess so otherwise he would be dead he'd be boots right 
Qantas Airlines said it had launched an investigation to discover how the animal had broken free. Because honestly, you know, without the whole opposable thumbs thing, uh, you'd expect it to be pretty difficult for a crocodile to get out of a cage. Um, <laughs> said the uh, the investigation would focus on whether it had been loaded appropriately. Because, you know, that's kind of where you would think the problem would break down, right? Well, if he's a really pissed off crocodile, I guess, you know. I mean, what do you, what is the approved mode of transport port for a crocodile? I mean, with dogs and cats, you've got your little carriers, right? But in Australia, maybe that's a big deal. Are there are there well-known crocodile carriers? I have no idea, but I would think at least they would, uh, you know how they, they tape around the, the snout? Right. I would think that they would at least do something like that. Like, they're not going to transport this thing. I don't know. Maybe maybe you can't leave them like that for too long or they'll die or something. Who knows? So, hmm. I really thought we'd get more and more mileage out of that story than we did. But uh, so moving right along, um, this uh, recently, actually it was uh, late last week, um, a uh, soccer game in, uh, in our, uh, where is it? Is it in Iran? Or in Saudi Arabia. It's a, it's a soccer game between Iran and Saudi Arabia. And I'm trying to remember where it was. It's uh, in Iran, the Iranian city of Isfahan. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Ifsa, something like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Isfahan. Sure. That's what I'm going to go with. So, yeah, they were, there was a game between the Iranians and uh, Saudi Arabians. And uh, soccer fans tend to be um, passionate individuals anyway. And no it's not, what'd you say? I said, no doubt. Yeah. So it's not uncommon for them to throw things on the field, like, you know, shoes and, and beer bottles and that sort of thing. So when the, the Iranian soccer player uh, ran across something in the field, uh, a field of play, he didn't think much about it. He just picked it up and tossed it aside where it then blew up. Somebody wow. had thrown a grenade onto the soccer field. Wow. That, for some reason, that just doesn't really surprise me for that part of the world. Yeah, because <laughs> I went to the to the aquarium here in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago, and they took away my two-and-a-half-inch Swiss Army knife. But if you go to a soccer game in Iran, you can get in with a grenade. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking the last place you want to go to a soccer game is Iran. Well... You know, or Mexico. Mexico is the last place you want to get murdered. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, I mean, it's it's a sad story. The guy blew off part of his hand. I mean, it blew up uh, uh, very near him. Um, oh, no, wait. I'm sorry. That was a different story. Uh, it, it, nobody was hurt. He tossed it away far enough away that it blew up, and uh, nobody hurt him. I was combining two stories in my head. Sorry. It looks like it's actually about to be a smoke grenade if you watch the video. It's not a, not a real powerful explosion. Yeah. And then, of course, the last line of the sentence uh, of the story, because that's what we care about. The game ended in a scoreless draw. <laughs> yes. That's, cool. that's the most important part. Because that's what I'm concerned with. That, that's why I think soccer is not a game. When a championship game can end zero to zero, it's not a sport. It's yeah, not and, a sport. It takes like four hours. Right. Watch a bunch of guys kick a ball back and forth and nobody scores. Here's a tip for you. Make the goalposts wider. There you go. Yeah. That's that's my my tip for the international soccer community. I have a tip too. Play American football. 
Well, did you see the hit tonight that laid the guy out cold? Uh, the punt returner. No. No, it was. Uh, it was. It's not necessarily a more civilized sport. Mm. It was a guy got cold cocked in the back of his head. His helmet flew off, and then he came down, and his head bounced off the turf. But anyway. Well, we don't want it to be a civilized sport. That's true. That is like those are our gladiators. Except we keep passing rules that say don't touch anybody. But yeah. I'm not going to get onto that. Um, so don't throw grenades onto the soccer field, Rule Iranian people. Rule of thumb, general guidelines. Two, I have two two suggestions for the international soccer community. One, make the goalposts bigger. Two, don't take grenades to the game. That's that's my uh, my two pieces of advice to you. I'm not known for my self control, and so I'm going to go ahead and tell the story, even though it's possibly going to be the low point of the show. Um, <laughs> want to set that up? You want to? Anybody needs to take a restroom break now. Is the time? To it's already it. been fairly low at this point. So yeah, there's a there's this comedian, and I wish I could remember the whole bit that he did. And not, we've talked about it before, Mark. I think you and I have. It it was one of the funniest bits. If I could remind, find his name, remember his name, I could find the whole bit. And he talks about how he's like, you know, um, surfers. They're a strange lot as far as sports uh, sports enthusiasts go because there's not too many sports that you have to worry about getting eaten by an animal while you're playing it. <laughs> like, I've never seen a like a gorilla come out of the stands and rip the arm off of a football player <laughs> in the middle <laughs> of a game, or you know, a baseball player is playing and a large bird flies by and picks out his eye. But surfers, you got to really watch that kind of thing. And then he went into the whole bit about uh, you know asking the player after they lose, you know. Uh, so they asked the boxer after he, after he lost the fight and got knocked out. So what happened in there? Well, the other guy, he was he was punching me in the face. And I was trying to move, but I couldn't. Yeah. And eventually I fell down. <laughs> the figure skater, what happened out there? Well, well, the ice was really slick. And I, I landed on the wrong edge, as you may have noticed. And, I, <laughs> and my feet just went right out from under me. It's really slick out there. Yeah, I I always laugh when they when they talk strategy with with like sprinters and things like that, and the answer is always the same. It's like, what's your what's your strategy for this race? Well, I'm just going to go out there and run as hard as I can and uh, hope for the best. That every interview has that question and that answer. Yeah, what was his name? You know, the the famous coach that had all the great quotes. You'll see us get better as we improve. Yogi Berra. Yeah, Yogi Berra. Yeah. Ninety percent of baseball is half mental. So then boxers, same thing. So what's your strategy? Well, I'm going to, you know, try to hit him in the face more often than he hits me in the face. And hopefully exactly. in the end, he'll be the one that falls down or, or and it fades back. <laughs> Here comes a gorilla out of the stands. Oh no, he, he's in real danger folks. <laughs> they don't call that a warning track for nothing. That's right. <laughs> so speaking of sports, thank you for the intro there. How about running a triathlon? In space. That's pretty cool right there. I'd eat that planet. <laughs> so Sunita Williams uh recently ran a triathlon, the uh the uh, Zuma uh beach, excuse me, the annual uh, Nautica Malibu triathlon at Zuma Beach in California. Um she ran that triathlon, except she wasn't at Zuma Beach in California. She was on the International Space Station 240 miles above the Earth. Wow. It's a bit of a tricky thing to swim in space. But uh, she, So she had a, a bicycle up there with uh, a, programmable, a pro, programmable tension 
So she had a program set up to uh, uh, set the tension to mimic the course that the racers would be on. So um, it was I'm trying to, I, I saw where it was. It's a half mile question. swim, an 18 mile bike ride. I'm, it's, it's in there, but I'm not seeing it right now. Somebody find it for me. Uh, so it's not a it's Half not a mile swim, eighteen miles on the bike, and run four miles. Yeah, so it's, it's a not like try. a full like the Ironman triathlon, which it's is a sprint tri is what they call it. Yeah, I think that the athlete uh, Ironman is a twenty six mile run, a fifty mile bike ride, and a five mile swim or something like that. It's a hundred and fifteen mile bike ride, okay. one hundred twelve actually, twenty six point two mile run, and it is usually a three to five mile swim. Most most of the time, it's a five mile swim. Yeah, so I, I was I undercut the bike bike part. Yeah. So uh, so she had a, an exercise bike up in space, and she uh, uh, they have treadmills up there that are that are commonly used as well. They they have like a bungee cords that that uh, strap them down to the device to the device that sort of mimics uh, gravity. But then it says that uh, somebody designed an exercise that would mimic swimming. There's no real uh, any more uh, detail on it than that. But there's some exercise. That roughly approximates swimming. So she's up in the International Space Station, 240 miles above the surface of the planet. And when the starting gun went off, she started her exercise that approximates swimming. She did modified that. Modified bench press. Yeah, a modified bench press. So she did that for the equivalent of a half mile. And then she got on her bicycle and ran it, rode it for eight miles. Then she got on a treadmill and ran that for four miles in space that's pretty and, cool yeah uh, the good news taxpayers is this only cost us 14 trillion dollars <laughs> <laughs> um wow. actually i don't i don't think she's one of ours yeah it says nasa astronaut oh she isn't okay she is a nasa so um it's it's interesting you know it's not the first thing she's done she ran the boston marathon from space um and i don't i don't i don't under i don't understand it but it's she's interesting bored. all at the same time that's what it is she's bored not much to do up there i mean she's in space she's only got a little area and she's just like i'm bored i'm hanging out nothing to do yeah i guess so. i mean you work your what you're you're 30 40 hours a week just like a regular job but then you've still got downtime and weekends and all that so I, yeah you gotta have something to do sure <laughs> at least you don't have to worry about things falling on your head in space that's right that was a nice attempt uh, for example <laughs> <laughs> brought to you by acme you ever had one of those moments where you feel like a cartoon character i i, I had an uh, uh an injury a few years ago and i describe it as i temporarily became wild e coyote it was one of those moments where a string of events that really only happened in the looney tunes world happened to me the same thing happened to a King's College freshman just this week. And King's College is somebody to quick look it up because I don't it's remember. New York. New York. Thank you. King's College, I'm New York. I know somebody that went there, actually. Um, Jesse Scott Owen must be a serial killer because we know his middle name. Uh, Jesse Scott Owen is, was walking on his way to class when the mattress from a futon fell from 30 stories and cold cocked him. Now, how do you tell that story? And, and the the great thing though is when the people came to render aid, they had a nice comfy place to lay him right yep. there on the mattress. I was looking at people putting me on the mattress. <laughs> and when I asked where the mattress came from, they said it just hit you in the head. 
the Florida native who's unpaid by the unusual incident. Because this kind of stuff happens all the time in Miami. That's right. I'm from Florida. I've seen worse. So uh, he uh, apparently there was like a a sauna or a spa of some sort on the uh, uh, 20, uh, on the 30th floor, on the rooftop. Uh, At least 30 floors up, it says. And uh, a witness says, I was on the 24th floor and I saw it coming down from above. Uh, So he's uh, walking on the left side of the street, something he never does, because you're supposed to walk on the right side, I guess. And uh, the next thing he knows, he's lying on a mattress in the middle of the street. King's College is actually in the Empire State Building. So this was near the Empire State Building when it happened. And I understand that's a relatively tall building. Uh, I've heard um, most apes agree that it is (laughs) when polled. And the uh, Jesse Scott Owen then tweeted in a neck brace, quote, like a boss uh, or hashtag like a boss. I keep my wallet in my front pocket and still tragedy strikes. Hashtag falling mattresses. So he's got a good sense of humor about it. Yeah, He said he Googled boy hit by falling mattress and it didn't article didn't come up and he googled man hit by falling mattress and it came up so he yes the, you know google considers him a man so that's right i'm a man now because i was knocked out on the sidewalk <laughs> so that's a coming of age moment so uh young boys out there if you want to uh ascend into manhood you must be hit by falling furniture just try not to make it a piano yeah or or chase a heavy chase. <laughs> okay. So, uh, anybody know where Deltona is? D e l t o n a. Deltona. That that I sounds think? a lot like Daytona, which no, is in Florida. It's not, Surely it's not it couldn't Daytona, be but uh, yeah, it it is in fact in Florida. <clears throat> so our next story uh, is a Central Florida man and his uh, um girlfriend. His, his Robert, baby mama. His baby mama, yeah. Robert Bordeaux, 31 years old, of Deltona, um, picked picked up his girl uh, girlfriend and walked into the path of a car, which, of course, the car stopped because that's what you do. Um, he threatened to shoot the driver to get the car. So, basically, his girlfriend is pregnant and going into labor. And so, the best way to do that... The, the best thing to do when your girlfriend is going to labor is to carjack somebody, steal their car, and drive to the hospital. It says that they had just walked past a fire station where they never thought to go in and ask for help. Um, or, you know, if only we had, like, a phone number or something we could call. Right, like, <laughs> you know, maybe three digits. If, if there were only cell phones, which both people had on them at the time, and the driver of the car... Had. So there were three cell phones in easy access, but no, we don't do that. Um, what we do is we carjack somebody. So what happens is is he's he's forcing the guy to drive um, at allegedly gunpoint. Doesn't actually say if he had a gun. He just was acting like there was a gun, or maybe he really did. I don't know. But then the driver stopped at a red light because you know you know the last thing you want to do while you're driving a pregnant woman to the uh, hospital is get her killed by oncoming traffic so when he stopped at a red light um our friend from florida robert boudreau 
I love that name, Boudreaux, uh, yelled at him, said go, and when he wouldn't do that, he forced him out of the car, then stole his car, and drove to the, uh, to the hospital. So at this point, you're thinking, well, this is a dedicated man. He just wants to get his girlfriend to the hospital. It says in the article, it's a long article, so I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm just sort of cherry picking through it. Uh, but it says that uh, the uh, the woman was bleeding; she was hemorrhaging. So obviously, something is is going on here. Something bad is happening. Right. So you think, you know, this is a desperate man. He's he's out of his head. He's not really thinking clearly. I can almost give him a pass. Almost give him a pass for all this. But what it says is, once he got to the hospital. He kept driving around the parking lot trying to evade the cops instead of stopping at the emergency room entrance to let his girlfriend out. It wasn't until the cops cornered him and wrecked the car and dragged him out that they that some that the girlfriend finally got medical attention. Well, the best part still is that she walked right by a fire station. Right. It says in the article, you know, that so she must not be in too bad a shape. Well, you know, they were walking said she started to get dehydrated and then she started to bleed so things got worse as they went on i guess they were initially thinking we'll just uh they ran out of gas Uh, i don't think i mentioned that they they head out in their own car ran out of gas then they started to walk and then they hijacked somebody and then they went on a rampage and then they smashed up cars in the hospital parking lot and then she went and had the baby a new rule of thumb also most people i know would give a pregnant, bleeding woman a ride to a hospital without having to steal their car. You know, that's probably, a good point. Probably eight out of ten, at least. So it's. Uh, I love the fact that the hospital they went to is the Florida Hospital Fish Memorial. The Florida Hospital <laughs> Fish Memorial. Uh, we could funny. we could do a whole show on just that name. Uh, <laughs> but he was taken into custody. The girlfriend doesn't have any charge. Uh, she was taken to the emergency room, and uh, apparently everybody's fine now, except the guy who's rotting in the county jail. Welcome to Florida. I'm ha- I, I, stranger I'm things have happened. That that baby was like, "Put me back." <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I was born to these morons. It's- I wonder what that baby will be thinking 102 years from now. Like the woman in our story today. 102-year-old woman, uh, Margaret Dunning. Thatcher. uh, (laughs) Margaret Thatcher. Uh, Earlier this week, uh, a story was done for her on uh, USA Today. Or excuse me, not USA Today, but the Today Show. uh, NBC's Today Show. um, About this 102-year-old woman with an ancient old uh car that she likes to change the oil in and takes care of and it was a car sort of thing um quick what was the car man my brain is just not working today 1930 yeah 1930 packard that she's had since 1930 uh and it's it's gorgeous it's in beautiful shape a shape uh so she loves to take care of it yeah there's uh, 1930 packard 740 roadster and she bought it in 1949. So it was a used car when she bought it. And it doesn't look like a used car now. It looks awesome. Um, so she's uh, babied it, taken care of it. Uh, and anyway, the uh, Fram group, um, Fram Automotive, they make Prestone Automotive Parts, Auto Automotive Parts, those guys. They saw the story. And I, 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 this is odd to me. Uh, there were a lot of things they could offer her, but one of the things they offered her was a scholarship, free tuition to the college of her choice. 
So the 102-year-old woman is going to go finish the degree she didn't get to finish because of the Great Depression in 1920. Awesome. That's funny. Yeah. I like also that she says, uh, I went on in banking for quite a while after that when she dropped out of school. So leaving school didn't cause me too much harm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she became My mom owned a bank, so I was fine. It was the Depression. We had money. Nobody else did. We kept it. It was in the bank. <laughs> I had a roadster. Yeah. It was awesome. But, but how nice is that really of Fram, right? They're like, Max, we pay for two years of that. Right, like six months of college tuition here. You know, we, she won't even make it through the third semester. A lifetime supply <laughs> <laughs> of fuel filters and air filters for your car. <laughs> Non-transferable. Some restrictions apply. <laughs> So what do you do when you're a college freshman and you walk in and you sit down next to a 102-year-old woman? How do you process that? I mean, is she going to go to a, is she going to pick a boss a big party school? You know, you got to going to be doing jello shots off of some co-ed's belly. I went to school back to college at like 38 and I felt like the old guy. I can imagine going back to school at 108, you know. Back in my day, we actually used rock and we just chipped out our papers <laughs> with a chisel. <laughs> I used to use a slate. Where where do you go to get a new slate, Sonny? Exactly. <laughs> That's funny. She she's sitting there with a brand new iPad and like an ice pick. <laughs> <laughs> These uh, things are fine. They're they're fancy, but you can only carve into them one time. You can't really use them again. So uh, that's awesome. Good good on you. Uh, for being 102 years old, for one thing, uh, and for being famous for another. But, you know, uh, that's just an odd thing to offer somebody. Uh, she says, I quote, I'm very, very pleased about it, and I feel that I've been granted a few years that other people do not have, and I'm really very happy that I have this beautiful old world to live in. So she's just a, you know, just a cheerful old lady. That's awesome. I don't know if I ever told you this story. I probably have on the air, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, a long time ago, um, my car broke down, as often happened to me when I was in college. And I was uh, on this rural highway in Texas, and I walked about a mile up to the nearest house. And there was this little old man that was, I'm going to say 70, maybe, years old, uh, out in the garden. Um, and I said, uh, um, sir, can I, can I use your telephone? My, my truck broke down, down the street a little bit. I just like to call somebody to, you know, come give me a ride. And he said, well, I, I can't let you in the house. It's not my house. It's my granddaughter's. So let me go get her. So the man goes to get his granddaughter. She's 80 when she comes out. So I don't know how that math worked out, but his 80 year old granddaughter comes out and, and lets me use the phone. And I go in and, and before I'm leaving, I, I, I pointed to her grandfather and said how old is he because if you're his granddaughter i mean i don't need to be rude but you're a grandmother and if you're his granddaughter and she said nobody knows they didn't keep records back then (laughs) he's 147 so i may well have met the oldest person on the planet out in the garden hoeing up weeds that day that's awesome (laughs) i want to be like that Um, yeah, I would, I'd like that too. Yeah, you want to be that old and working in the garden? Mm-hmm. So, Aaron, Southern Inbreds, tell me about it. Well, 
I'm not recommending, condoning, or otherwise encouraging you to watch this show, but kind of a, a very recent explosion of popularity is the show Here Comes Honey Boo Boo, uh, which takes place in Georgia, not Florida, uh, and it chronicles Honey Boo Boo. Um, I don't even know what her real name is. She Her real name is Elena Thompson, and she's one of those... She she was on the show on the kids. TLC channel about the the little little pageant girls you know with the with the pageant moms and all that and she was the the Southern Belle one I guess and so now they she's got her own reality show kind of basically I mean I saw thirty seconds of it that's all I could stomach and it was in a lot of ways it's just kind of exploited exploitative 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 um, you know they all talk like this and. Now you get over there and you look real pretty. Now you stand up, okay? You know that kind of it's just, it was bad. So you know they're already kind of giving Southerners a bad name uh, in some way, a kind of a bad. They're being so stereotypical redneck that they're proving the stereotypes. You know, and and one of the stereotypes of of Deep South is you marry your cousin's brother's cousin. You know that kind of thing. So the the sister, I think it's the older sister, just had her baby, and guess what? The baby has six fingers. Two thumbs up for a little baby. Yeah. Literally, and two thumbs on the one hand. And the best part of the article, though, is the quotes. <clears throat> when Honey Boo Boo's mother, June, looks at the thumb of her new, her new granddaughter, she says, it's better to have an extra thumb than no thumb at all. <laughs> While Sugar Bear Mike, Honey Boo Boo's father, exclaims, that extra thumb reminds me of a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> While the six-year-old star of the show squeals, I'm so excited, I'm, I'm about to piss all over myself. <laughs> Says it wasn't all smooth sailing for honey for the Honey Boo Boo Clan. As Anna went into the lake, their family there were preparing for the Beach Beauties in Brunswick pageant. I know. Uh, Don could have seen her, Mark. That's down in Don's neck of the woods. <laughs> so oh. it's... Uh, <laughs> It's pretty bad. So she, as, after she, the baby was safely delivered, uh, attention turned back to her pageant. Sugar Bear, that's the dad, Sugar Bear's younger gay brother, Lee, known as <laughs> Uncle Poodle, showed up to help Elena find her inner sass. Is this the real? old quips, yes. Ain't nothing wrong with being a little gay. Everybody's a little gay. <laughs> Everybody's a little gay. For her outfit of choice, Elena donned a shiny blue swimsuit, which she said made her look like a blueberry. And on top of all that, she was surprised by a visit from her family's prize pig. Yes, the pet Glitzy. pig is sitting in the audience. Named Glitzy. Glitzy. This is not exploitative at all. <laughs> now, the thing is, this woman is going to be, and she's going to be grown, she's going to grow up someday. She's going to be a woman. And, and she's going she's gonna to have to live down having been Honey Boo Boo when she yeah. was a kid. It's sad. It really is. It's, it's somewhat sad. Says the big portrait, the big day ended up being too much for Elena, who ended up into the episode in tears during a stressful family portrait in the 101 degree heat. Very, very sad. Very sad. Poor girl. Fans can look forward to special holiday installments around Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. Here comes Honey Bobo. <laughs> There's, there's that that's everything that's wrong with the world right there yeah so do you think mark and aaron do you guys think that they do they send like recruiters out that just kind of scour for people like this 
I think this was a you know they were trying to do the they were they were covering the already horrible child pageant scene and just saw a star in the making. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So how do you follow that? How about you follow that follow that with Deputy Dog? Uh in Vaughn, New Mexico, uh the police chief of us of the small town of uh Vaughn resigned this last Wednesday, um, leaving the town with just one certified member on his police force, a drug-stiffing dog named Nika. That's it. That's the only, they have uh, uh, support professionals, but the only um, member of their police force with any credentials is Nika, the drug-stiffing dog. I have to read the second paragraph, Mark. The attorney for the town said that the police chief stepped down after news stories reported he wasn't allowed to carry a gun because of his criminal background. <laughs> so the sheriff couldn't carry a gun because of his criminal background. See, that's Barney's job. Well, no, he carried a gun. He just didn't have a bullet. That's, that's right. Andy didn't carry a gun, the sheriff. And the deputy, Nika, he carries the gun. So that's that's the way it works. So they're they're okay. It's <laughs> how do you what how do you you get to, I just you're the police chief with a criminal background. Okay, so either they trust you enough to be the police chief, at which point you should probably be carrying a gun, or they don't trust you and you shouldn't be the police chief. That's that's backwards in every way. Well, and then the, so the, the the county the county the county law is trying to cover for him. But the the county sheriff said that these efforts have put a slight strain on his already short-staffed department. I quote, I visit the town at least once a month. The important thing is to keep a presence so residents know we're there to help if we're needed. All right, guys, we're going to break into that house. We need to make sure it's not on October 11th. <laughs> Other, you know, we got, we, got, we got three weeks leeway either direction, but October 11th, I think that's when he's scheduled to be back in town. According to records, the only qualified member of the Vaughn Police Department is Nika, a drug-sniffing dog. Vaughn's other officer isn't certified and pleaded guilty to charges of assault and battery lost last year. Non-certified officers can't make arrests and can't carry firearms. But Romero said not having an officer qualified to carry a gun didn't put Vaughn at any risk. England doesn't allow police officers to carry guns, he said. Sometimes the strongest weapon in law enforcement is communication. <laughs> Same way in Japan. Sean, you're a former cop. What do you think about that? Uh, it, it depends where you're at, you know. Uh, in the United States, doesn't seem to make any sense to me, but uh, I have seen it done abroad. Uh, like I said, in Japan, cops don't wear guns. They carry around the, uh, the old-style billy clubs uh but that's it that's the only thing they have and it, but that's a totally different population totally different mindset uh they just don't have crime there really i mean it's very little so, so you're chasing a perp and you're a you're a, a police officer in in japan and so he's running and you got stop or i'll say stop again <laughs> yeah <laughs> pretty much but let me tell you like if there's any kind of like a fight, like two guys on the street, you know, drunk, getting a fight, th these Japanese cops come out of everywhere. They're just, you don't see them. And the next thing you know, there's 20 of them there. So they work by the swarm method. Right. And yeah, they have no problem pulling that billy club out and beating you over the head with it. So, yeah. 
but they also uh, in, in Japan they have uh, there's a police station on like every every street corner. I mean, literally, I, I don't think you can go more than two or three hundred yards without hitting a police station. Uh, but they're very small, so they're really tiny police stations with probably maybe one, two, three officers in them. But they're everywhere. So I guess they just kind of blanket. They use a blanket method. So, so officers in Texas are not afraid to pull out their billy, billy club, and wives in, in excuse me, officers in Japan and wives in Texas are not afraid to pull out their forty caliber handguns. It was almost a good transition if I'd gotten the locations right. A Texas woman by the name of Audrey Dean Miller of Harris County, uh, I believe Houston is in Harris County. It is. Um, according to ABC News, uh, allegedly shot her husband in the stomach with a forty caliber semi-automatic handgun when he threatened to hurt her cat. They were having an argument. And uh, she loves her animals, and he knew that, so he thought that the best way to get to her would to be to threaten to the threaten the the cat. So she shot him. You'll be happy to know the cat escaped with no injuries. <laughs> it was kind of like a little mini Mexican standoff there. I mean, he, <laughs> he had the cat, or he was threatening the cat with a pellet gun, right? So right. I can picture he's pointing the pellet gun at the cat. She's pointing this gun at him. <laughs> I'm guessing I give up at that point. Right. You know, it's I, I always laughed at that that old trope in the movies where a guy pulls out a gun and another guy pulls out a bigger gun and another guy pulls out a bigger gun. A hole in the head is still a hole in the head. What difference does it make how big it is? Uh, but in this situation, it truly is. It's it's not what gun you have. It's where it's pointed. I'm going to shoot the cat. No, I'm going to shoot you. Okay, you win. <laughs> But apparently, he, she either A, didn't give him warning, or B, he didn't back down. But she felt it necessary to plug him in the gut. Wow. Welcome to Texas. I'm, think, I'm thinking I break up with her. <laughs> well, here's the thing. The story says this isn't the first time that they've had troubles. It's not even the first time that there have been weapons involved in their... Uh, um, um, relationship welcome to texas yep texas <laughs> it doesn't work because it's yeah. florida we, we can fix any problem with the handgun <laughs> that's right well you said you know a couple weeks ago that uh the only thing that surprised you about that story was that it didn't end at a shootout well this one did <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh this next story uh texas may be um uh exporting a little bit of attitude uh to the uk um two criminals uh <laughs> by the name of joshua o'gorman and daniel mansell um were uh <laughs> they were breaking into uh a gun in rural england uh, it's not breaking into a gun breaking into a home in rural england when the owner of the home also happened to be the owner of a shotgun uh, wounded the two of them fairly severely. They took him to the hospital, or they were taken to the hospital where they were arrested after having been been treated for their wounds. And then they came to court uh, trying to get leniency because they had been injured in the process. You know, I, I've gone on record as saying I don't understand the the uh, the English legal system, uh, but here in the U.S., if you get shot while trying to commit a crime, that doesn't really uh, count in your favor in any way. Uh, but my favorite thing is the judge 
um, who put them away. They serve, they're serving four years uh, for burglary. The judge says, if you burgle a house in the country where the householder owns a legally held shotgun, that's a chance you take. <laughs> so there you go. Expect to be shot when you break into the house. Good news, uh, sound advice from the uh, English legal system. Yeah, you take your, you take your life into your hands when you're uh, when you're um. Well, I just want to back up and say, if this was Texas and you're breaking into anybody's house, you're taking your life in your hands. That's right. Odds are you're going to get shot. Well, we did a story a few years ago, or a few years ago, a few months ago, about a woman who had what was it, uh, a rifle and a handgun, both pointed at the door while she was on the phone with nine one one, and somebody was breaking in. You remember that story? I do. And, and uh, I, I don't. I don't remember if it was in Texas, but the nine one operator was saying you can't do anything until they come into your house. But once they step into your house, bang! And that's where the conversation ended. As yep. soon as they walked in, she plugged them both dead. That, that happened actually in Tyler um, when I was living there. We there were two young guys, you know, late teens, early twenties, broke into somebody's house, and he shot one of them as they were going back out the window. So there was a little bit of controversy and they said, Nope, he was in their house. That's right. That's, yeah. that's the law in Texas. I don't know about the rest of the world, but being a, a lifelong Texan, I know that that's the law. If somebody crosses onto your property uninvited for any reason, you can blow a hole in them. You're allowed yeah, to do it, that. And I'll say just, and I don't know, Mark, I, I'm curious if you've experienced anything different moving to Atlanta, but I know moving from California to Texas, there is a huge difference in the amount of uh, break-in coverage you hear on the news or you, that you hear about at all. You you just don't hear about a whole lot of break-ins in Texas. <laughs> nope. I mean, you know, in California, you don't even have to go to the news. It's just, you know, uh, go to work and you... you Probably a handful of times throughout the year, you hear somebody got their house broken into, but uh, not in Texas. I only know, I think I've only met one person in my entire life that had their home burgled, and it was after I moved here to Georgia. <laughs> now, we did have a radiator stolen out of a 65 Mustang in my driveway, uh, but the <laughs> wow. neighbor pulled on the guy. And, that's dedication, and after, that's, a, that's like a NASCAR pit crew right there. Well, we were, we were going on vacation to Mississippi, and my sister's best friend's boyfriend who was something of an idiot and a drug abuser had a 65 mustang and he needed a radiator and we had a 16 that had a radiator and so while we were in mississippi he came to our house in broad daylight and stole the radiator out of the mustang in the driveway and my our neighbor nina nina came over when we came home and said bob there's a young boy over here while y'all were gone and he took the radiator out of your mustang was he supposed to do that <laughs> As a matter no of fact, nina he wasn't no. And dad walked over there and opened the hood. There it was. He disconnected the hoses and everything, you know. It was all nice and neat and just surgically removing. Well, I got his license plate number. I figured that was as good as anything. And it was. And it turned out to be uh, my sister's best friend's boyfriend. Anytime I went anywhere for an extended period of time, I used to tell my neighbors, I'm going out of town for a week. If you see a U-Haul pull up, call the police. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm not moving. That's happened. So, Not yeah. to me. I haven't never done that. What is it? Uh, Jeff Foxworthy says when you walk up to a house and you see a lawn that hadn't been mowed and a couple of cars up on, oh, a gun lives here. 
Well, my, my favorite Foxworthy redneck joke is still the whole thing about the how come anytime there's a natural disaster, they can't interview a lawyer or a doctor? You know, we have those in the South. <laughs> it's always some lady with rollers in her hair that says, I looked up just in time to see Ethel's house come flying by. And all I could think was, dear Lord, she still has my frying pan. <laughs> <laughs> well, and now I mean, this is that that magical time when we get them uh, doing that in politics, right? So the Republicans are going out, sending out crews to go, you know, find the Democrats that are, you know, loudly, uh, you know, praising Obama or whatever. And they find the just lowest common denominator. Right. They grab yeah. that one person. that's like Obama. Obama got us Obama phones. And <laughs> this is the typical person that voted for Obama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, some guy with you know his hair greased back with his own snot and a pack of Marlboros rolled up in his his sleeve, um, and he says, "Well, what do you think about the war in Afghanistan? I think we ought to just put them all in one place and blow them the heck up." And yeah, right. and yeah they exactly. call that the man on the street, the average person. Right. Yeah. That's Not it, folks. Magic <laughs> underpants. <laughs> Magic underpants. Thank you. Do they have eels in them? Oh. Um, that's the show. That's all the news I got. Any other comments or commentary, guys? This one was a, a rather uh, off-kilter show. Lots of weird stuff. Um, not the usual hilarity, but I think it was interesting. Some fun stuff in there. It was. I think the bacon took us down. That's what it was. Uh, we, we started. We're, we started we're, I'm still over. thinking about the bacon. I've been distracted by that all night. What am I going to do? So you go, go buy all the bacon. You, you need, there needs to be a run on bacon. Just right. go stock up on bacon. You know, maybe that's what this story was about. Maybe actually bacon sales have been slumping. And so the British pork people, this story. It's a pork plant. That's what it is. It's a pork plant. They're trying to artificially create demand. Well, I still managed to pull a half a dozen or more good show titles, I think. (laughs) I think all the ones I got this week are are winners. All right. Well, guys, this is the part of the show where you uh, tell people where they can contact you if you are so inclined to do so, starting with you, Mr. Sean. Sean TX. That's right. If you're watching our live stream, which you should be, uh, you can see Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern time. That's right. Uh, You can follow me at Sean TX uh, on Twitter. You can look me up on Facebook. I'll be glad to friend you there as well. Uh, You can send me an email, Sean at ElementOP.com. And or Mr. just check out the website. Which website is that? That would be elementop.com as well. Uh, go there, uh, post something in the forums. I was trolling the forums the other day, something I hadn't done in a while, so I'm, I'm trying to get back in the habit of doing that. Mr. Butler? The number one meal. The number one workout. That's one meal, one workout. Put that in Google and see what you get. Aaron, give us a five-second descriptor of what One Meal, One Workout means. I'd be happy to do that. One Meal, One Workout, what it means to me is all people should have maps. And I certainly believe. (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't help it. One Meal, One Workout is basically my philosophy that helped me become more fit. And I've broken it down to, to just trying to make the best choice at each meal that I can make and try to get myself to each workout. Uh, and give it the best I got at each workout. So not just one day at a time, but one meal, one workout at a time. And as always, 
consult your care provider before starting right. any diet or exercise routine. Exactly. And, and Aaron, have you noticed any results from this uh, one meal, one workout philosophy? Well, I've lost a few pounds. Um, I the the long short the long the long short snoring it hasn't affected my brain talking. Uh, I've lost about 100, 150 pounds, one hundred forty, one hundred fifty pounds. So I fluctuated a little bit. I gained a few pounds back when I got hurt, but it's uh, give give or take a century and a half of pounds. So um, yeah, it's made a big difference. I'm I'm healthy now for the first time in my adult life. Pretty awesome. much. So if you'd like to find out more about that, Aaron does a show, One Meal, One Workout Podcast. You can find that also on the Element Opie Network. So go there, elementopie.com. Check us out. You can also find me there. Uh, make your, your voices heard. Thanks to uh, Jim and to Pete for your uh, show contributions, your stories this week. I didn't single you guys out on anything because uh, almost everything came from multiple sources this week. Uh, I like that. It's a good thing. So I'd been out uh, looking for stories, and then I got an email from Jim with a lot of the same stories, and then I got stuff from Pete with the same stories. So that's good stuff. I like it. That means we're all deprived in the same way. And we're Honey Boo Boo was stuff. all mine. Honey Boo Boo, that was all Aaron, yes. Uh, you can blame him for that. And the place you can go to blame him for that is elementopi.com and hop into forums, the periodic table forum, where our good friend Jim uh, lets you know all of the potential show titles that didn't quite cut the mustard. Muster. It's not mustard. It's muster cut the muster every week you know i didn't I, for, i've always said intensive purposes and it's not it's intense and purposes right. it's all i'm intense. ashamed to admit that but i'm willing to admit it because that's half the battle so there was a a cook at a boy scout camp who was so good that the, the at the seaside boy scout camp that the dolphins would actually come up and try to eat uh, and, and uh, try to get some of his food so every night when he'd ring the dinner t- bell he would say it's dinner time for all intents and purposes Oh, wow. We better stop now. Hello? <laughs> can you go? That's a Reader's Digest joke from like 1974. And with that, I'm going to say that ends this episode of The Periodic Table.